So uh, take your Bible and get ready. Amen. Yeah, they offered to do a fish fry for me down there. So how can you pass that up? How we're doing back there? Everybody doing good? <laughs> Philip came and turned some stuff on, and then he went, went home probably. But uh, it's Wednesday. Praise God. I think I'm a little hot, maybe. You might have to turn my microphone down just a little. Maybe my gain. You know where that's at, Dennis, or do I need to send somebody else back there? Hello. Praise the Lord. Still a little bit hot. Do you know which one's my microphone back there? <coughs> well, maybe I could move it down if I can pinch my shirt. You want me to try to do that? How's that? Is that better? All right. I'll throw it down there. And there we go. Praise the Lord. <coughs> well, we're going to talk about Ecclesia some more. That's the Greek word for church. And we're going to talk about understanding spiritual warfare a little bit tonight. How many of y'all like spiritual warfare or you just uh, know you have to do it? It's a lot of hard work to do spiritual warfare. I, I've done it many times. <coughs> Excuse me. I did not cough until I got up here. Isn't that how it goes? <coughs> anyway, it's like blowing out a carburetor on an old car. You got to blow it out and run it up about 90 miles an hour and get all the cobwebs out of it. Anyway, the chapter 2 of the book of Acts <coughs> is where we're going to start. And the church in that time. We see there in chapter 2, verse 42, and it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship on in breaking of bread and in prayers. All those things are important. If you had a table set and you are going to eat, you'd have some of these legs on the table, one being the apostles' teaching or doctrine, the second leg being fellowship. How I many you know you got to hang out with the right people if you're going to be influenced in the right way? And then, of course, the breaking of bread. That's where you go out and eat. I used to have a, a little uh, thing that hung on my door that said, let's have lunch, and it had a picture of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Somebody gave me that. I think it was one of the ladies that did a little embroidery work, you know. She heard me talk about food enough. She said, well, he's like Winnie the Pooh. So they gave me this thing that said, let's have lunch. 
But the breaking of bread is a third leg, and then, of course, prayers is another leg that can hold up the table that God has for you. And telling others about Jesus, that always helps. But we look and it says, verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul. That means everybody. That doesn't leave anybody out. But fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. When all this is happening, the teaching of doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, then that allows the, the Spirit of Christ to come and there is a reverence that comes. When you have fear that comes upon every soul, it's not talking about being afraid of the dark or something. It's talking about having reverence for God and realizing, you know, that you need to honor Him and not talk flippantly about the things of God. And then he goes on and he writes there in the book of Acts, it says, As fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. That's where if you have something that somebody else needed and you could help them, then you did so. You didn't hoard everything to yourself or get greedy, but you want to help. I noticed Brother Sherman put a box out there with some squash and, and some uh, zucchinis and some cucumbers. Pastor Ken slipped a sack in my box that had some cucumbers, I noticed, and a green pepper, bell pepper. He knows I like those green peppers, but uh, I eat them with salt on them. I don't know how you eat them, but I like, I like peppers, every color of pepper I could eat. But they said, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, on 4th of July, we had some hamburgers and some chicken and some brats and some hot dogs, and we had some of the family come over, and also Xavier and Amanda and the kids came over. And they just had a good time playing around in the swimming pool. But I tell you what, Amanda likes watermelon. I don't know if y'all knew that. But she is a watermelon addict. And I love it too. I love ice-cold watermelon. My grandpa, our grandfather, Pastor Ken and myself, Grandpa Neil, he used to... Uh, he would have several watermelons on the 4th of July that he'd be icing down. And there next to his house, he would cut up those watermelons and we would eat watermelons 
after, of course, the full day of whatever was going on. And then he would run us up to the top of the hill. It used to be called Big Star back in the day. And then it became Tumby's Fabric Center. But we would go sit up there because they would shoot the fireworks off there behind the Valley Plaza Shopping Center. Tara used to work for J.C. Penney. They'd shoot fireworks off behind there, and we would watch the fireworks. He loved the simple things. And, you know, people of God, when they gathered together, there was just something wonderful about the simple things. Getting together, eating a meal, hanging out. Nowadays, of course, if you come to my house when you hang out, if it's during a sports season, we usually watch a ball game along with eating some good food that my wife puts together. But they did all this in one accord. They were unified. If you really want to have effective warfare in the kingdom of God, it's good to be in unity, unified against your enemies. And uh, statement number one is this. There are no other options to being the local church, which could also be the uh, regional church, if you want to call it that. You know, there's, it's not Heartland Christian Family Church. It's not First Assembly or Bluff First or whatever they call it now. Or It's not First United Methodist. It's not, all those are individual buildings that has church on Sunday. But the reality is there's only one church in Poplar Bluff and in this region. And now some of them don't want to get along with each other, but those who have a clue about warfare, you need to be in unity. People need to be unified in the fact that we are not one another's enemy. We're not in competition with one another. But the church, the ecclesia, is in, when it's in unity as one church in the region, the enemy does not have any room to really gain an advantage against God's people. And that's great. I think Sister Tara was telling me there were some new people going to be joining them at prayer, a couple of ladies from different churches that they invited that especially know how to pray and warfare. And so it's great when you have more than one get together. Go over to uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 and 10, and it says there, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Now it's talking about Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who shed his blood so that we can overcome. But here it's, it's, it's giving us the indication because he says out of every tribe, every tongue, 
every nation, every people. So it doesn't matter. There's no white church. There's no black church. There's no Chinese church. There's no Indian church. Now there are people that get together in those different regions or parts of the country or world and they have church. You know, I remember I went to Africa and I was preaching in Nairobi under this big tin roof. There was 5,000 people there that day and Brother Jerry Hill, Brother Ken Soltes, myself, and one other blonde-headed lady were the only Caucasian people that were in that place that day. All the rest were Africans. And they weren't mixed. They weren't part black. They weren't part this or that. They were 100% Kenyan. And they were very black. That's the only way I can put it. I was very white and they were very black. There was 5,000 of them there that day. They had three services, 5,000 in each service. That day was a day there was 10 sections under that tin roof, and there were 500 people in every section. Boy, I'd just be happy to have one of those sections on Sunday. You know, I'd be tickled. But here they were. And I'm going to tell you what, they weren't bothered by the heat. It was extremely hot, that sun bearing down on those tin roofs. And the Lord was moving. I prayed over the pastor and his wife. The Holy Spirit slayed them, and they were laying out on the ground in their suit and beautiful dress and all. And he had told me, he said, don't hold back. So I said, well, okay. I gave them a prophetic word, and boom, out on the ground they went. And I felt kind of bad for them being in the dust like that, but. Then I had that word about somebody was called to preach. And I, and I looked back and I said, I, I, I knew that the guy that I thought was in the section kind of at that angle. And so sure enough, I said, everybody that's called to preach and you have not accepted the call, I want you to stand to your feet. 150 people stood up that day. And you know they were all in that one section where that one guy was? There were 10 sections of 500, and all 150 were sitting in the same section. Now, you talk about irony. I said, now, is there anybody else? Nobody else stood. I said, isn't that something? God clued me into that one section with this one young man, and he stood up, but 149 others stood up with him and accepted the call to preach that day. That's quite an amazing thing, you know, but... We are called to be kings and priests to our God. Jesus paid the price. We have the victory because of the blood of Jesus. He has already won the battle for us. All we have to do is accept it and enter into it. And the thing is, kings really, that renders out in the original language as a kingdom of priests. Priests are ministers, they're servants. So we have been called as a kingdom, a realm of reigning, to be a servant to our God. And so how do we do that? We serve by helping others and 
and by doing what God has called us to do. But statement number two is this. We are to be earthly representation of God's kingdom or government on earth, ruled by plurality of apostolic ordained and appointed elders. And so we see here, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says in chapter 2, 1 through 3, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. How many of y'all used to run with the world? See, The enemy tries to get us not to walk the walk. He tries to get us to go the way of the world. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And so we see, the enemy, he would like to get us to give in to the lust of our flesh. Now, we know there's certain things. There, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh, the love of the world keeps us from being able to function at our fullness in God. That's why he always comes at you with temptations that are in your flesh. The lust of the eyes is when you see something and you want it because it looks good to you. It could be anything. It's not just the sexual nature. But lust of the flesh, that's something that your body and your soul realm craves. You know if somebody is mistreated or maybe they're abused as a child, they crave to be accepted and loved by somebody. And so a lot of times people, they have a hard time with the, the lust of their flesh because they were not fulfilled in their nature. And so they have a desire for other things. I mean, if, if you, let's say, what if you were raised and you didn't have a lot of good food to eat? Maybe you even went to bed hungry a few times. Hey, you know what? I know what it's like to be poor. We didn't have money for a lot of Debbie snacks and this kind of thing when I was growing up. Brother Sherman, I don't know if you ever had saltine crackers with mustard spread on it as a treat, but I did. I ate sometimes toast with mustard on it. Or maybe I ate mayonnaise on saltine crackers. That used to be a treat for me. It's because we didn't have any snacks. And sometimes then I could also make toast, spread a little butter on it, sprinkle some sugar, and a little bit of cinnamon on top. I made my own cinnamon roll. It wasn't a roll. It was a flat piece of toast. But, you know, that became a snack. And uh, 
you know, when you're raised in a condition where you don't have a lot of things that other people have, then when you get older, then you go hog wild. You go to the grocery store, you want to get every little Debbie snack there is, every peanut butter bar and, and every Twinkie and, and those little chocolate things with the white stuff on the inside, ding-dongs or whatever they called them. Yeah, but, you know, you, you have a, a, a desire as a kid to have things that you did not have because you couldn't afford it. I remember I could, when I was became an adult and I started working on my own, sometimes, you know, I lived off of that junk, you know, because I couldn't have it before. Now I bought it. And that was sometimes my lunch to eat a ding-dong or something or a Twinkie. You know, had all that sugar, jack your sugar way up. But that wasn't too good either. But there is a warfare that goes on in the flesh and it's your spirit man has to get control. Statement number three, there is a pressure to give in to the world and compromise and it tries to make you disobedient. Psalm 18, let's look there. Psalm 18, verse 16 through 19. And we read there, it says, He sent from above, He took me, He drew me out of many waters, He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Now, isn't that an awesome thing? That when the pressure's turned on, we have an advocate. We have the Holy Spirit that works with us. We have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so he's saying here, he sometimes the enemy's just too strong. Have you ever felt like you're just overwhelmed? This past couple weeks, ever since we had the women's conference, and this is usually how it works, we have a great mountaintop experience, and then the enemy is fit to be tied. So what's he do? He slams everybody that had anything to do with it. Why? Because he doesn't want you to do it anymore. He wants you to yield and give in. But you have to still battle. And even when you're sick, you still have to put your faith in God. And you have to trust in the Lord. And so it says that in the day of his calamity, God delivered him and brought him out to a broad place, a place of safety, a place where the enemy couldn't hide. How many know your enemies like to hide? Like to hide behind others and certain situations but we see statement number four your enemies try to destroy but God saves you because he delights in you isn't that what I just read in the, in the end of that verse 19 he said he delivered me because he delighted in me 
Isn't it nice to have somebody really like you? You know, it's, that's nice to have somebody appreciate you and like you and pray for you and care about you. And I'm so happy that I have that. I have that in my family. I have that with our church people. I feel very good that I have people that are supportive of me. But God delivered me and he delivers you because he absolutely delights in you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to be uh, living in victory. He doesn't want you to be defeated. In Ephesians 6 and verse 12, we read there, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. These are different kinds of beings. Have you noticed? you got some real enemies out there. Sister Tara, when y'all are doing warfare here on Fridays, you know, you're stirring the hornet's nest up spiritually. You know, it says we don't war against flesh and blood. You know, when you go and people are giving you a rough time or something, those people are not your issue. It's the spirits that operate behind the scenes that are agitating people. Have you ever had some people agitated with you? It happens. But he says, these, are, some are principalities. Guess what? You know, in the natural realm, what do we have? We have a sheriff that is a principality over Butler County, for instance. Cookie lives in Grandin. What is that, Carter County? They got a sheriff over Carter County. He, he's a principality. He's not a wicked principality, hopefully, but... You know, they are earthly principalities. They're, they are leaders of different divisions or regions. Then it says against powers. There are people that have power behind the scenes that do certain things. They don't have to be elected to anything. They got the money and the influence that they position themselves to get what they want. And see, he's talking about there's principalities. This is the enemy spirits. Then there's also powers. There are those who have the power of certain things. You know, so when you get attacked by certain powers, then they operate in certain individual situations and, and uh, giftings, if you want to put it that, negative giftings. Some operate with the spirit of cancer. Others operate, you know, all this stuff, it, it comes from somewhere. Cancer's not of God. Sickness is not of God. There are powers that operate in these things. That's why we have an authority with Jesus Christ to deal with this stuff. Then it says against the rulers of darkness in this age. Well, there are rulers of darkness. There are those that are over, you know, I believe there are certain things, and I don't mind saying it, and I don't know who's watching by, via Facebook Live or, or YouTube, but Roe versus Wade, see, this is being sent back to the states now. You know what? That just 
infuriated the devil. And but there there are rulers of darkness. Some have to do with abortion. You know why the devil wants abortion to be legal, and he wants young women to do uh, give up their babies like that. I'll tell you because you cannot repopulate the earth if you're aborting the baby. What did God tell Adam and Eve to do? He said, be fruitful and multiply. So the enemy, that's why abortion is such a big deal. That's why being homosexual is such a big deal. Because two women together cannot produce a baby. Two men together cannot produce a baby. That's why it's one. Those are two of the biggest deceptions in the history of mankind is to convince, to use abortion as birth control. But the devil doesn't want you to be fruitful and multiply. You know what? If Christians have babies, over time we will gain strength and numbers while the enemy is trying to destroy. And you know what? All this stuff that is politically charged, you know, like Black Lives Matter and different things along that, those lines, we need to be conscious that there is uh, prejudice out there. But what does the enemy try to do? He tries to infuriate and cause people to be at each other. But the reality is the number one aborted baby in this world is an African-American child. The number two aborted baby, now I can tell you this because I used to be the chairman of the board of First Choice Women's Centers in Miami and Dade, Miami-Dade, Monroe County, South Florida. We saved thousands of babies over the six or seven years that I was on that board of directors. We had ultrasound machines that the girls could come in and see their baby on an ultrasound. You know that 99 out of 100 times, if they saw their baby moving around and having a heartbeat, they would not get an abortion because it personalized that child. It made them a baby, not a fetus. See, that's the big lie. But the number one aborted baby is an African-American baby. Number two is a Latin-American baby. And who are the biggest groups of ethnic groups today? Well, I'll tell you first, right now, the biggest ethnic group in the United States is Hispanics, is Latins. Because they're pouring into our country, not just having babies, but most Latinos are Catholic. And most Latinos, the Catholics, are against abortion. So, but that's why there's such an attack against the Latinos. Now, you know, so the, the population diversity has begun to change, you know. I don't know what percentage altogether they are. Yeah, but uh, I know this, that there's probably a lot of Orientals 
who are in the United States illegally. And you would not believe probably the Oriental population in America. And it's just incredible. And there is a Muslim movement right now. I mean, the Muslims have an agenda to try to take over America. And I can tell you, them, they're right now, they're not having abortions. They're, they have an agenda to populate the United States and take over religiously. And so there is a battle going on. And the devil's got all these different agendas. He has all these principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this age. And then you have those who are bound by drugs. Man, I tell you what, methamphetamine is incredibly terrible. It's just, it's just trying to take over. And then heroin is a drug that's trying to destroy people. And I don't know how much cocaine is on the rise, but especially heroin and methamphetamine is a big issue in this region. This is where one of the princes of darkness operate right here in the Poplar Bluff region. And uh, he tries to use drugs to do it. And then it says, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So you have spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so you have a variety of different issues that our country and our people are facing today because you have all these hosts of wickedness in high places, you know, that, that are directing traffic. You know the devil's very organized, by the way. He's got his little minions all falling under different ones. Now, the unique thing that I've always found to be true in warfare is the spirit of fear. There are so many spirits of fear. It, the fear is like the army. you got a bunch of army people that do all the work on the ground level. Then you got the Air Force with the, you know, the flying of the jets, and you got the Navy jet fighters and the Marines, there's special forces and so on. But the army, there's more probably people in the army than any branch of the military. Well, that's kind of like you have uh, with all these spirits of fear. Fear operates with every other spirit. The spirit of death isn't going to cause anybody too much trouble unless the spirit of fear associates itself with it. Then people are afraid to die. You know, I almost died one time in the hospital, but... I was ready to go to heaven, then I got upset. I said, no, my wife's too young and I got small children. So, Lord, you might as well just heal me because I'm not ready to go to heaven just yet. I made up my mind. I did spiritual warfare when I was almost out of my mind in the hospital. Because it's when you take a stand and you don't let fear get a hold of you and contaminate you. Fear can grip your heart and cause you to give in to the other spirits that are trying to take over. Uh, statement number five, you will always have 
and opposition in many di on many different levels. So it's not just, you know, on this high level. It's on a daily level. There's opposition on every level of life. And, uh, you know, that's why when you pray and you seek God, you can press in, but the enemy doesn't just give up. You know, you have to take back what he's tried to steal from you. It's up to you to deal with your opposition. Mark 16 and verse 17, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. I tell you what, it's important for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you speak in tongues, and I, I get a kick out of it because people want to say things like, well, I know I want to speak in tongues because the devil can't understand what I'm saying. Well, you know, I've never read that in the Bible anywhere. The devils understand all the different languages. And Paul wrote, he said, though we speak in tongues of men or of angels, we don't have love, we're just a clanging gong, a sounding cymbal, you know. We're just a noisemaker, speaking in tongues without anything behind it. But you see, when you speak in unknown in tongues you're building yourself up number one but number two if the devil understands what you're saying that's all right because you're praying the will of god and he's not going to like that one bit he's not going to hang around that's why i pray in tongues a lot because i know the devil is not going to hang around when i'm praying the will of god all the time and uh you know that's why it's so powerful it's a powerful weapon. So that's why he said you can cast out. These signs are going to follow those who believe. You can cast out demons. And you can speak with new tongues. I tell you what, demons will go. Any demoniac that I've ever faced in Mexico, I did not have to have Tino translate for me. Number one, I wasn't trying to get the person to understand everything. I was dealing with the spirit that was trying to habitate them. And so I spoke directly to those spirits, and by the name of Jesus, I didn't even have to say Jesus Christo. I said in the name of Jesus. I didn't have to say Yeshua. I did not have to say Elohim. I did not have to say Jehovah. I used the name Jesus, and that name worked just fine. So you don't have to be acting like you're Jewish, you don't have to speak in another language, you can speak in your language, and if you believe, you can cast those demons out. I've done it. And those demons have left them people. Now, to lead them to the Lord, I had to get Tino to step in and speak Spanish to those people, and he led them to the Lord. That's what I love about it, you know, we're a team. We're part of the kingdom of God working together. Statement number six is, I can't even read my own writing. Signs will uh, accompany those who believe. 
you'll have signs that will follow, that will happen with you. And I think that's pretty awesome. You know, I've had some pretty awesome times in the Holy Spirit. I mean to tell you. Uh, in Hokitapec, we had holy laughter. Uh, Lucy and some of those ladies, Lucy Cunningham, they got to laugh in the Spirit. They could not even stand up. The glory of God was so powerful there in those services I was preaching. They crawled back to their seats. They could not stand and walk. They crawled while they were laughing in the Spirit. I've had older ladies that didn't have a stitch of makeup on that I was praying for, and they'd shake their head in glory dust. I mean, looked like their head was full of glitter. But that was before they came out with glitter makeup. And I'm telling you, older Mexican ladies that did not wear any makeup was shaking and gold dust was coming out of their head. I pray for some, have my hands on their hands, and oil was running out of their palms, running down their arms. I don't understand all that. They're signs, signs that accompany, that surprise people, that shock people. They can't hardly believe it when they see it. But I've seen so many things like that, you just wouldn't believe. You know, some services, people, there was feathers that came down, like they were feathers of an angel's wing or something, just out of thin air, come floating down. Statement number, well, in Daniel, let's look at Daniel chapter 10, in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 10, it says, then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself, that's a key, when you set your heart to understand what God's trying to do and you humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Gabriel, messenger angel from the throne of God, who had a message from God for Daniel, was withstood 21 days by the kings of Persia, the prince of Persia. They had all these demonic spirits that were from that region. And Daniel, he was trying to get an answer from God. And finally, after 21 days, he fasted 21 days, did not eat anything good. Now, I don't know if that meant he ate a little something. We call it a Daniel fast because of that. Sometimes I've ate, eaten cabbage salad and drank broth and drank juice during a Daniel fast. Still lose 20-something pounds sometimes, you know. But, you know, you'd take a little bit of that in for your electrolytes or whatever. But, you know, the Daniel fast was, he was stayed in prayer. He would not relent. He would not give up in his prayer time until he got his answer. And then Gabriel explained it to him, said, 
I was withstood. These enemies were against me. You know there's a real warfare going on? There's powers of the devil that are against the angels of God. And when we pray and we enter in and we seek God and are humble, then God sends others. In that case, he sent Michael and probably some other warring angels to hold back the powers of the prince of Persia and the kings of Persia so that Gabriel could come through with the message that Daniel needed to hear. But he made the point, he said, God heard your words the first day. Does it frustrate you a little bit sometimes that you still got to go through the process? Wouldn't it be great if you just say, God, please do this, and boom, it's all taken away? Well, when you're a baby, that kind of happens. But once you're full grown, you have to fight for yourself sometimes through your prayer time. And then we see in statement seven, what do we see there? There is a role in our prayers by activating angels in the battle against principalities, demonic princes. So you, you have a role to play. When these ladies come in and I hear them in here warfaring, I'm like, whew, man, watch out. Because the angels are on the way. When you, you gals enter in here on Fridays, then God's releasing angels to come and to help fight these principalities. See, the devil doesn't want us to have victory. He does not want us to have revival. But you know what? He's got to give it up because we're not giving up. We're going to keep praying. And the role of our prayers is very powerful. And then we see in verse 20 and 21 of the same chapter of Daniel, chapter 10, it says there, Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one opposed me against these except Michael, your prince. God has warring angels on your behalf. And it's up to you to keep praying. Even after the, you get an answer from God, you keep praying because he's still got some demonic princes to deal with. And so statement number eight. Each believer has a guardian angel, I believe that, who responds to your prayers. Now, Brother Dennis gets to see angels, and there are certain angels that hang around each of you. You have certain angels that are God's assignment for your life. And if you enter into prayer, you can activate them to utilize the weapons of warfare against your enemy. That's why you need to pray and thank God. You need to be humble. You need to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. You need to allow the Holy Ghost to send forth angels on your behalf to clear the way. And I'll tell you this, you have authority. This is the summary of this message. You have authority in your house, not your neighbor's house. 
You can't make your neighbor live for Jesus. You can't make them. You can pray, God, please work with them, send people to talk to them. You can pray, God, you know, send your angels to withstand so they can hear the gospel and respond. But these are called spheres of influence. You have influence where you have authority. Guess what? You folks that are uh, elders and such here in this house, you have some authority. You help me. When we agree, you are helping me as the leader of this ministry to see the way cleared so that we can start seeing the revival happen. I believe it's coming. Do you? How many of you know that you're in a battle and it's up to us to enter in and be useful to the master and allow him? You know, angels are very involved in everything that's going on. And we need to welcome them and their involvement. We need to ask God to send our warring angels out. We need to ask him to bring forth the victory. We need those angels that help bring healing to bring healing to our people. We need a lot of things to happen. You know, angels can help procure finances, even can help speak to those who have an ability to give. And I just can't hardly wait to see the totality of what's about to happen here shortly. It's going to be tremendous. Are you in agreement? Stand with me tonight. Father, I ask you to touch. Yeah, I'll go back there, Lucy, and lay hands with Rocky on Tara right now. We know that the healing power of God can touch her, and we ask you, Lord, to bind spirits and powers of darkness that are trying to put this sickness on her brain in her head, Lord. We ask you to just dissolve the tumor or the blood clot or the veins that are messed up and that you would open up the way for her to be normal. Take any pain out of her mind, out of her brain right now, God. Allow your victory to be hers. We ask you to send forth your angels right now to help lay hands on her. We ask you to be with every person in this building tonight that you would lift us up, Lord that as we lift up the name of Jesus, that we can walk in the power and the authority of God over our enemies. And we give thanks for that. We give praise for that, O oh God. And we give you uh, just, we just are grateful, God, for what you're doing in our lives and that you're going to surround us with your angels. You're going to keep us safe from harm and evil, that you're going to deliver us into everything that you have for us and that the enemy will get no victory over us but we have victory over our enemies and we declare this as such in the name of Jesus Christ Amen, Amen. Praise the Lord Hallelujah Is you feeling any better now? A little? Well we're going to keep believing that it's going to be a lot better before she gets up and leaves here tonight in Jesus Christ's name.